It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Looking for a great place to bring your friends and family? Head on over to Carbach Brewing for some fresh craft beer and damn good eats. With our on-site restaurant and sprawling beer garden, there's always something for everyone to enjoy. So grab a Love Street Blonde or a Hopadillo IPA and kick back and relax. And keep up with all of our events by following us on social media at Carbach Brewing. Carbach Brewing Company is the proud sponsor of Astroline. Welcome to another edition of Astroline presented by Carbach Brewing Company coming to you from Spring Training West Palm Beach. Ballpark of the Palm Beaches, of course, is the Astros Spring Training home. And uh, the Astros, you think about spring training, obviously it's a lot different this year. Uh, no minor league camp uh, going on right now. That's not going to be until next month. Uh, but getting a chance to see uh, some of these young players for the Astros and uh, you know, here with Steve Sparks, and I know, Steve, you like to focus a lot on the pitching, and, and we both love to see uh, some of these young players uh, that get a chance to play in some of these big league spring training games. We're going to talk uh, with one of them and Jeremy Pena coming up in a little bit, but who's impressed you so far in camp? Maybe some guys that, that have gotten on your radar after what you've seen. Well, one of the first days that we got here is before the games began. I saw Blair Henley from the University of Texas uh-huh. throw a bullpen, and I thought, man, command-wise and crispness and sharpness of the break and stuff looked great. Uh, but then in the games, Ken Emanuel, uh, left-handed pitcher who's been in the Astros system for a while now. He was a third-rounder out of University of North Carolina. He's 28 years old now, still hasn't made the big leagues. But it looks like he's blossomed into a real prospect. And that's kind of surprising, and uh, I didn't expect that coming in. So far for the young pitchers, Peter Solomon uh-huh. has impressed. And as far as position players, uh, I think Pedro Leon yes. uh, is as advertised when you're looking for twitchiness and the speed and the arm and all that stuff, I, you like what you see with him. And the fact that he's playing a little bit of shortstop along with center field I think is interesting. And the other is Robel Garcia, who the Astros just signed on February 27th, but they brought him into camp as non-roster invitee, and he has looked good. That's a Marwin Gonzalez-type player, switch hitter with pop from both sides, a great throwing arm, plays multiple positions. Uh, that looks like a good deal, too. Hey, real quick, um, Garcia's on the 40-man. He was a waiver claim. Okay. So go ahead with the Robel Garcia. Just okay. mentioned 40-man. And the last one with Robel Garcia, the Astros got him on February 27th. And he's kind of a, of a Marwin Gonzalez-type player as far as playing multiple positions at a high level. Mm-hmm. He's got power from both sides of the plate. He can run a little bit. But uh, Robel Garcia is a very intriguing prospect for the Astros, maybe to make this team out of spring training. Yeah, that, that would certainly be interesting to see what, what happens uh, with Robel Garcia, among others. And we're going to talk to a couple of players in Astros camp here. Uh, two guys at, at different points in camp. you got Jeremy Pena. Yeah. He's a big league camp for the second time. And Steven Souza Jr., who's been around a little bit in camp on the minor league deal, hoping to make a team and a guy with a little bit of a track record. Right away, you'll notice this in the interview, too. Uh, Jeremy Pena, he's young, but he's very mature. Yes. You know, and he, he went to the University of Maine, and he's – one of the best uh, fielding shortstops in all of the minor leagues right now, and he's still learning uh, uh, what he can do at the plate. 
and he ha he had a very successful campaign in winter ball, and, and the Astros love his projection. Steven Souza Jr. may make this team, and you're talking about a very quality uh, hitter. 2017, I believe, with the Tampa Bay Rays, he not he 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 hit 30 home runs in that season. It gives you a little idea of his power. Astros spring training is underway, and tickets are now on sale. Come visit the ballpark of the Palm Beaches in sunny West Palm Beach, Florida, and usher in the start of the 2021 season. Visit astros.com slash spring to get your tickets today. We'll be back with more of Astroline presented by Carbock Brewing Company and on the Houston Astros Radio Network right after this. Looking for a great place to bring your friends and family? Head on over to Carbock Brewing for some fresh craft beer and damn good eats. With our on-site restaurant and sprawling beer garden, there's always something for everyone to enjoy. So grab a Love Street Blonde or a Hopadillo IPA and kick back and relax. And keep up with all of our events by following us on social media at Carbach Brewing. Carbach Brewing Company is the proud sponsor of Astroline. All right, welcome back to Astroline presented by Carbach Brewing Company. Robert Ford joined by Astros shortstop Jeremy Pena. First of all, Jeremy, good to see you and, and good to see you in big league camp. It has to feel good to be playing baseball again, right? Because, uh, you know, went for, for months uh, with the pandemic, obviously, and you were in big league camp last year that, that wound up getting, getting cut short. How good does it feel to, to be around the guys again and, and to be out there uh, working on your craft again? How's it going, guys? Thanks for having me. I mean, yes, last year was tough. Last year was tough for a lot of us. We didn't really get to play. But um, I was fortunate that I got to – I was invited to Instructional League. So that was, that was cool. We got to play a couple games in a squad, practice. And then I got to play in the Dominican Winter Ball League. Got some at-bats there. But it's good to be back. It's good to be back. You know, things are starting to look a little bit normal. Not there yet quite, but it's, it's good to be around the guys. Jeremy, you talked about getting a chance to go play in the Dominican Republic in Winter Ball. Not everybody got that opportunity. What was the general consensus or what was the conversation like among the other minor league players missing a whole season? I mean, they were bummed. I mean, yeah. everyone, it was tough. It was tough on a lot of players. I was, like I said, I was fortunate to have that opportunity to play in the winter league. That's always been one of my, my goals, you know, ever since I was growing up in the Dominican. So it was kind of cool. It was kind of cool. We didn't really get to play with the fans, but just being around the, the guys and playing baseball again, it was, you couldn't ask for more. I'd imagine you probably, you know, your dad, Geronimo Pena, played in the in the big leagues with the, the Cardinals and the Indians. I imagine you probably, do you remember seeing him play winter ball down there too? Is that part of the reason that that was something that you really wanted to make sure you did? Uh, I didn't really get to watch my dad play, or I don't remember yeah. watching him play yeah. when I was little. But uh, I found a couple of videos here and there, YouTube, you know, I got to see him do his thing. But, you know, I don't know. It's just over there, when you grow up over there, that's our big leagues. You know, that's like, you look up to those guys. Those are our celebrities. So I've always wanted to to feel that. I've always wanted to play in that league and see what it was all about. Jeremy, I got a chance to play in that league, and I actually played against your dad quite a bit. Uh, but one thing that I took away from playing in the Dominican Republic in, in particular, out of the other uh, three winter leagues that we had a chance, was that you, you really got a sense of confidence because the competition was so good in that league and you, you did well in winter league. Do you feel like a, a little different player being around some of those other uh, major league players and, and playing against them? For sure. For sure. 100%. You know, you go in and you see all these big leaguers around you. Yeah. And then you start playing with them on the same field, you know, you're playing the same game. You're having 
they're having the same conversations we have in the, in the minor league. So it was just cool to be around those guys. And then you see where you stack up and you do get a boost of confidence once you leave that league. Who have you played uh, against or, or maybe with uh, either in winter ball or in big league camp and spring training where, you know, you were maybe a little starstruck, somebody you grew watching, you grew up watching and you had to kind of pinch yourself for a second, like, Oh, I'm, I'm playing with this guy or I'm facing this guy. I mean, you know, my first spring training, I got called up to my first to back up my first big league game from mini camp. And I just saw those guys in the, in the locker room. And uh, I saw Correa, Bregman, Brantley, you know, those are the guys you see on TV. And for a second, I was like, Jesus, like, like I'm here, I'm here, you know, I'm with these guys. <laughs> but it's cool, you know, it's cool. And then in the winter league this year, I actually got to play with Robinson Cano. He's always been one of my favorite players growing up. And uh, he's a legend down in the Dominican. And, you know, he had great advice, you know, smart baseball player. And it was just great to be around him. You know, he had so much knowledge about the game. You just kind of soak all that in. Give me one or two things that Robinson Cano shared with you that stuck out. Do you remember? I mean, he was just about thinking the game, you know, having an approach and kind of sticking to it. And don't, don't fall for, like, the results. You know, stick to the process. Stick yeah. to stick to what you're working on and make adjustments. That was, that was his biggest thing, make adjustments. You got to be able to make adjustments, adjustments pitch to pitch, not at bat to a bat. Did that really, really change the way you kind of, kind of saw your at bats and kind of, kind of saw the game? So I was paying a lot of attention to his at bats, and he would always step out the box, you know, take his time, and the whole time he was just kind of getting back into being locked in, you know. And uh, I like that because sometimes we forget, we forget, we kind of rush through, rush through our at bats, you know. But he, everything he did was so smooth. Everything he did was so calm you know and that that stuck with me so were you able as the season went along as Cano's teammate able to start to slow things down yourself because that's the hardest thing to do is a as a major leaguer is to slow things down especially in big moments are you getting there for sure for sure and it it, it and what helped is just thinking the game you know when you think the game and you know when you when you know what you're going to do at all times and what you know when you know what you're looking for the game just slows down and uh that was, that was good. You know, I got to talk to him about that. and He was very open with me and giving me advice, and it was just cool. When it comes to baseball, what is that relationship, that conversation like with, with your dad uh, growing up and now being a professional baseball player? Is he more hands-off? Is he someone you, you kind of have to prod to get some advice from? How, how, does, that, how does that work for, for the two of you? So my dad's always been, he's always been there with me, you know, every step of the way. He's always been a call way. But, um, he understands that it's my career. You know, he, he played his career. It's my career. He's just there for advice. He's not going to put pressure on me. You know, he doesn't, he doesn't put pressure on me. He just gives me advice. That's what he thinks. If I like it, I'll go with it. If I don't, we kind of talk about it and then move on from there. But he's always been there with me. So We're talking with Jeremy Pena, a top prospect with the Astros, mostly shortstop. Things change a lot, and you probably have told your dad some stuff that, like, it's blowing his mind. <laughs> but the Astros are at the forefront of a lot of that information. What have you learned about yourself from Houston? I mean, I've learned a lot. You know, this organization has done a great job in developing me into a better player and uh, just, you know, sharpening my strengths. What's your weakness? I mean, I, I wouldn't con 
consider weaknesses. You know, I don't, I don't consider any part of my game a weakness. You know, just it's stuff just, you're working on. Just stuff I'm working on. You yeah. know, and uh, that's a good mindset. But, so, <laughs> but yeah, just in college, I was more of like a line drive guy, but now I have to we're working on kind of elevating the ball a little bit more. But yeah, just little things here and there, tweaking things here and there, and just playing the game. You know, have fun, play your game hard, and enjoy it. When you talk to, because I'm sure you, you have friends, you know guys who are in other organizations uh, and, and in, in those other systems. Do, do you guys ever kind of compare notes on some of the information that their organizations are giving them and the sort of information you're getting from the Astros? And have, have you guys talked about how there's kind of a, a difference in, in that regard between different organizations? We talk about the stuff we're working on, the stuff that worked for us, stuff that worked for them, just pick each other's brains. But but yeah, we haven't really talked about what their organization does for them and what we do for, for ourselves. When you came out of college, we heard about you. You're a high rounder, third rounder out of Maine. Not a lot of guys coming out of University of Maine. Uh, <laughs> but, but we heard you were probably the slickest fielder in the country. Um, you've got a chance to work with Joe Espada now, who's the Astros infield instructor and bench coach. What has he taught you? and What are you working on with Joe? Since the first day I called, I got called up to to back up a big league game in 2019 yep. at the Mets. You know, he he's been giving me advice. You know, he's been giving me tips. He's been he's been working with me, and I appreciate that. You know, he's always been hands on with me, and um, just little things like I said, just tweaking little things that are gonna make me more consistent of a fielder are gonna be make me more consist consistent on the field. So, so it's it's good to work with Joe. As Steve mentioned, you, you came out of the University of Maine. You, you know, you're from the Dominican Republic. Your family moved to New England, to Rhode Island, when you were 10 years old. Uh, how did you wind up at Maine? As we mentioned, not a whole lot of big leaders come out of there. And I've been, I've been to Orono, Maine in the winter. It's not exactly the, the, uh, the warmest place on earth or, or, or anything like that. So what was that? How did you wind up at Maine? And, and what was the experience like for you being there for, for a few years? Okay, so... It started with my summer ball coach, Franklin Salcedo. His little brother, Jonathan Salcedo, was a catcher for Maine. And um, he was one of those great players from Providence that you kind of looked up to. And I didn't have a school. I didn't have any offers. I didn't really have interest from other schools. But he came up to me. He was like, hey, we should make a video. Maybe send it up to Maine and see what they think. That was end of my sophomore year of high school. And I was like, oh, sure, sure. After practice, we caught a couple ground balls. We hit a little bit. We sent it up to Maine. And then three days later, they came down to, to watch me play. And they liked what they saw. You know, they, they stayed in touch with me, made me offers right away. And then towards the end of my senior year, I did a tournament down in Florida in Jupiter, World Woodbat Tournament, one of those perfect game uh tournaments and I did pretty decent you know I did pretty decent that's when the talks for the draft was happening that's when other schools started showing up you know bigger schools started showing up but I kind of want to stick with Maine because they believed with me when you know when I was small I was skinny you know they saw something that I didn't see myself at the time and uh, and then so I just I just stuck with it you know I went to Maine and got drafted out of high school it was tough turning that down decided to go to Maine which turned out to be one of the best decisions I've made 
you know, it was freezing up there, but <laughs> we had great coaches, you know, we had facilities, we had everything we needed to, to get better. So, and the coaches were always willing to work with you too. So that was, that was actually awesome. You know, I got to play a lot. So, but it worked out, it worked out. It seems like a, a cool thing about the guys, especially in the, the colder areas of the country, get a chance to play in those perfect game tournaments, those showcases. Does anything stick out uh, as far as a matchup that you had at one of those perfect game tournaments, maybe in Jupiter, uh, where, where you face some guy and you said, all right, let me see, let me see where I'm at right now. I mean, that's what kind of opened, opened up my eyes because where I'm from in Rhode Island, you might be good there, but then you don't know what you're going up against. You, know, right. you don't know these Texas kids, California kids, Florida kids. So when I went down to the tournament in Florida, all these kids were, were big and strong and fast and, <laughs> and threw and threw hard, you know? And I was yeah. like, Jesus, like, I'm behind, you know? Like, I need to step up my game. So when I went back to, to Rhode Island, like, I, I kind of kept that with me. You know, I kind of kept that with me. And I wasn't comparing myself with, with people in Rhode Island anymore. You know, I was comparing myself with the best that I saw in the tournament. So, you know, you mentioned you got drafted out of the high school in Rhode Island, your 39th round pick of the Braves that back in, in 2015. And, you know, kind of a late, late round uh, around that probably won't even be around in the draft anymore. Uh, I know a lot of kids who get drafted out of the high school that late usually wind up not signing, but sounds like it was something you were, you were seriously considering at the time. For sure. For sure. Because baseball was all I knew. You know, baseball was all I knew. Baseball was what I wanted to do. You know, I just wanted to be a professional baseball player. You know, it would have been a dream come true. But I thought about it hard with my parents. You know, we spent like a whole month just thinking about it, thinking about it. And then just made our decision, you know, to go to Maine, play there, and hopefully get drafted again. Jeremy, there's no right or wrong answer here. But I want you to say the first name that comes to your mind if I ask you, within the Astros minor league system, who's the most underrated player that you've, you, you've seen? Underrated by who? I don't know. I don't want to put myself in that position, but we have, we have a, a lot of great ball players, man. Like, it's so tough to just, you know, pick one. Like, everyone, everyone's so good. You know, everyone, everyone's so good. And you guys are in it together, aren't you? Yeah, we're, we're, we're in it together. <laughs> you know, it's... At the end of the day, we're all just trying to reach our goal, just to get to the big leagues. You know, we all want to get to the big leagues and uh, just get to be around these guys, you know. Sure. Kind of sharing that same passion, sharing the same goals, sharing the same passion, sharing the same stories. What was the experience like for you, born in the Dominican Republic, 10 years old, moved to Rhode Island? We were talking about the winners in Maine. The winners in Rhode Island are a little better, not much better, though. I mean, that had to have been quite the culture shock for a kid from the Dominican Republic coming up to Rhode Island. How did your family wind up there? And what was that like for you when you when you first got to the state? I mean, it was different. You know, in the Dominican, we used to think of the United States as New York. You know, everything right. was New York, New York, New York. So when I ended up in Rhode Island, I was like, yo, what is what is this? <laughs> <laughs> it's not New York. <laughs> this is not New York. <laughs> but, you know, it was different. It was cold. I remember, uh, like, we used to think that it was like the TV, you know, everyone snowball fighting outside and so the first snow like we were outside trying to find people to snowball fight with and no one was outside their houses you know? I was like, <laughs> yeah this is this is not what you see on tv you know? but but it was different it was different it was cold we didn't speak english so it was tough school was tough school was tough but you kind of get forced to you're forced to learn 
the language, you know, you get forced to learn it quick. So that, that was good for us because we picked it up pretty quick because you don't have another option. A lot of people said television was the, the best learning tool for picking up the language. Did you find that to be true? I found baseball just wow. being around my teammates, joking around because at school, I felt like everything was serious, you know, mm. and I was, I was nervous. Half the time I was nervous in school. Like, so I didn't really pick, hold on to stuff. Yeah. Like I'll learn it for the moment, but I wouldn't hold on to it for, for a long time. But then on the baseball field, you're just messing around and you kind of, your teammate says something like, oh, that's how you say it, you know? And it's like, oh, that's how you say it. So, and most of my teammates were bilingual as well. So I would just ask them questions and cool. How long was it for you before you felt comfortable in English uh, and didn't feel, you know, you talk about how everything was serious in school and maybe felt, you know, a little bit more comfortable in school and speaking the language and communicating English. How long do you think it took you? So I was in a bilingual program up until seventh grade. Okay. So, I mean, my classmates were the same way. You know, they all moved from a different country and they but spoke different languages you know we we're all bilingual but then eighth grade year I got put into regular English and that was that was the hardest year for me because there was like I said there was no other option but I feel like that year was a year that I got comfortable with the language because at the end of it I was like oh that wasn't that bad you know like I can do that freshman year of high school I was I considered myself fluent in the language Jeremy last question for me as you navigate through the professional ranks and you go into these major league clubhouses where there's mostly two languages spoken, how much of an advantage does that give you? <laughs> they can't say a word without you knowing what's going on, right? They can't, you know, you get to talk to everybody. That's cool. You know, That's great. You understand all the music. It's cool. Yeah. And you can have conversations with any veteran, uh, whether or not they're, they're mostly Latin or they're American born players. You, you, you can be right in the thick of it, can't you? For sure. For yeah. sure. Awesome. Well, Jeremy Pena, we look forward to seeing you in the in the big leagues here real soon. But they keep working, keep getting better, and uh, can't wait to see you at, at Minute Maid Park. Thank you guys for having me. Bueno suerte. Gracias. <laughs> Man, great talking with, with Jeremy Pena, Steve. Uh, you know, we, we talked about it a little bit at the beginning of the show uh, about his maturity level, especially for someone his age, hasn't gotten to the big leagues yet, just a, a few years out of college and I mean think about everything he's been through you know growing up in the Dominican Republic he talked to us about the transition to the United States trying to learn English uh, I mean he's already been through has had to deal with quite a bit of adversity in his life and uh, uh, looking forward to seeing what he can do yeah and that opportunity in winter ball to play with Robinson Cano and uh -huh. to pick his brain and now uh, he's in the big league locker room with all these stars for the Astros. It's only going to propel his uh, trajectory to get to the big leagues. Absolutely. Coming up next, we're going to hear from Steven Souza Jr., who's in camp on a minor league deal with the Astros trying to make this team. like to remind you, the 2021 season is just around the corner, and you won't want to miss a minute of the action. Enjoy some of the best seats and exclusive benefits throughout the season with Astros season tickets. Visit Astros.com slash ticket plans or call 1-877-9ASTROS to learn more. We'll be back with more of Astroline presented by Carbach Brewing Company on the Houston Astros Radio Network right after this. Looking for a great place to bring your friends and family? Head on over to Carbach Brewing for some fresh craft beer and damn good eats. With our on-site restaurant and sprawling beer garden, there's always something for everyone to enjoy. So grab a Love Street Blonde or a Hopadillo IPA and kick back and relax. And keep up with all of our events by following us on social media at Carbach Brewing. 
Follow all of the off-season action on Asherline and come see us at the brewery for a cold beer seven days a week. Welcome back to Asherline, presented by Carbock Brewing Company. Hey, join the Astros Virtual Buddies Club today. For $25, we'll ship a buddy's backpack, socks, hat, and lanyard right to your door. Virtual Buddies will also have the opportunity to be selected for exclusive virtual experiences throughout the year. Visit Astros.com slash buddies for more information. Had a great conversation with Steven Souza Jr. in camp with the Astros trying to win a spot. Yeah, first of all, thanks for having me. It's a, a pleasure to meet you guys, obviously. And, yeah, it's been uh... – it's been fun to be back out there again, you know, uh, playing feels like it's kind of getting closer to normal. I mean, there's still some weird, you know, protocols and things, but I feel like now we have a better idea of, of what COVID actually is. I feel like last year we were just kind of thrust into the middle of it and like, right. good luck. You know, we don't really know what, what it is, but it's, it's, it's fun to be back out there. It's fun to get to know the guys and, and to play again. Is there any a time, uh, Steven, where you're out there and you forget totally about the pandemic? Yeah, when I'm on the field, it, I Good. forget about it, right? Like when I'm actually on the field, when I'm in the dugout, like everybody's got masks on. So you kind of remember a little bit. That's a little frustrating. I mean, it is what it is. But when you're on the field playing, you forget about it. And it's kind of like therapy, you know, like all these things that have been going on in the world, like you get a chance to escape it, which uh super thankful to do. And it, it's it's a good good break from the world right now. So last year. I mean, it was right around this time spring training got got shut down. Um, you were with the Cubs. Uh, if you could just take us back to just kind of like what that experience was like for you, what was kind of going through your mind? I think a lot of us thought, ah, oh, you know, in a few weeks, well, this will be done and, and, and baseball will be back. But kind of what was what was kind of your thought process and what did you do right when when things shut down? Yeah, we were we were playing a night game against the Padres. I remember this, and uh, I'm in right field, and some random kid yells at me and says, "Hey, Stephen, Rudy Gobert just tested positive." And I'm like, "Well, that's not good, right? Like, that mm -hmm. can't mean good things for us." And so then the NBA shuts down. Like, I find out when we get back on the dugout, the NBA shutting down. So then we were kind of all like a little leery, um, and then we find out we got shut down the next day. Uh, for you know we didn't know how long and guys were still throwing bullpens like still throwing uh live bp simulated games because like you said we didn't really know the extent of how long this was going to be we definitely didn't think it was going to be as long as it was and so you're just in, sent into this like flurry of confusion like you just don't know what to do you don't know how long it's going to be and then you know the quarantine really hit everybody kind of differently i think some guys stayed ready some guys had no resources to do anything and some guys um you know mixed and matched the best they could with what they had you know i saw videos of guys you know throwing a ball against a wall like they yeah. just did everything it was just super random um and so it was just it was crazy uh, you know i i think you we my wife and i kind of deliberated between staying in arizona and waiting it out and then going home and um, luckily we got some information that was like, Hey, this is going to be a long time. And so we headed home. That's the thing that's driven us all crazy is not knowing, you know, every step of the way, at what point do you, or you personally, or, or any player lose motivation to stay as sharp as you need to be? Yeah. I think like the first month I was fine. Right. Like, yeah. it's like, okay, I, I, I'm a professional. I need to get back out there. Um, and then when you kind of start, started to see some of the, you know, reactions around the country and how yeah. grandiose they were you around may it was like i don't know if we're gonna actually play like that kind of hits you and so it's 
when you're in the off season, you have a date where you know you need to be ready to go and there's no excuses. Well, this was completely different. It was like, well, you, we may play, we may not. It may be tomorrow. It may be a month from now, maybe three months from now. That's really hard as a player when, you're, when we're so, so much creatures of habit to be able to put that together of like, when do I need to ramp up? When do I need to start doing this? Um, so you just kind of did what you could, you know? And like I said, it, it coming off of a very like serious injury, it hit me hard because I didn't have the resources to continue to rehab oh, yeah. and build that stuff. Um, and other guys, you know, weren't able to hit and stuff like that. So it was, it was definitely a difficult time. Yeah. And then you had the quick ramp up, you know, once everything got sorted out and, uh, you know, didn't have a whole lot of time to, to get ready for the season. You mentioned the injury that you had, the, the serious knee injury you had that uh, cost you all of 2019. How that I, I'd imagine that had to pose even more complications for you, that quick ramp up. Uh, you hadn't played in a while, even though you did play in some spring training games before the shutdown and, and then just trying to, to get back in the baseball mode again. Yeah, for sure. So like, into spring training was awesome. Cause I, you know, I could basically keep going and like continue my rehab while playing. It was amazing. And I had a great spring. Um, and I had this six week, you know, to seven week buildup in spring training where I could take my time. I could play, then I could build up a little more. I didn't have that luxury. Um, in the quick ramp up, I was more afraid of the ramp up than anything because coming off this injury, I'm like, I, there's zero way I can go all out from game one. Um, having just sat down for three months, like I'm going to get hurt if I do that. And it really hurt me um, with the Cubs and like the perception over there. And I know that, you know, obviously I have a very unique case coming off of a major injury, but I know that even the quick ramp up around the league was very difficult for a number of reasons for guys. Um, and one of them being like, you, you just can't get your competitive juices flowing when you're facing your own guy, you know, over and over and over again. And I think that really, made it difficult on a lot of guys, you know, you, you do that and then throw in the fact that we couldn't go anywhere. Yeah. Um, and then throw in the fact that there was no video for guys. Like you were only limited to a certain amount of time at the field, like all these things, like you saw last year, these superstars and random guys had horrible years that you just don't expect. Um, and so that was, that was difficult for a lot of players. You've alluded to the injury, your left knee, you just absolutely shredded. It was a freak injury. Uh, but the first doctor said you weren't going to play again, Stephen. Just take us through the psychology of getting the second opinion and what you had to go through just to get back on the field. Yeah, so <clears throat> he said to me that I, he didn't know if I would be able to straighten out my leg again. And then yeah. he said I was probably looking at a two-year recovery is, is what he said. Um, and, you know, he's like, I got to be honest with you. I don't know if, you know, you're going to be able to play. And so I said, well, you're not going to probably do my surgery then if that's, you know, your attitude towards my knee. Yeah, right. And so I got a second opinion and they were so opposite. This doctor, Dr. Kremchek was so like confident that he could get me back from nine to 18 months. And he'd done um, it before with somebody, right? He had done it with Zach Cozart and Cozart that's was right. back playing by nine months. Um, and so I was like, you know, obviously I've you have success and you feel confident like why wouldn't I go with you um, and he did a fantastic job he really did I was able to be you know spring training I was about 10 months out and I felt very capable of competing and doing a lot of things it was going to be hard with the recovery I think bouncing back from okay. from game to game but as far as a health standpoint and be able to compete I was ready to go um, 
and I felt amazing. And so I, I feel even better now at this point, you know, having been two years out of it and being able to build up more and more strength. Um, but yeah, it was a, definitely a scary moment in my life. Yeah. Where are you at now? I mean, you kind of alluded to it a little bit, but where are you at now with that knee? I mean, at this point, I'd imagine it's no longer rehab mode for you. Do you feel like you're more of kind of a, a normal baseball player, if you will, at this point? hundred percent. Um, I say that with full confidence, like my knee is back to normal and I wake up, you know, the first six games of spring training, I played almost, I played all of them and was able to wake up, play, go and do everything that I wanted to at the field. And that honestly, like was a refreshing feeling. Like I haven't felt like that in a long time to be able to wake up, feel myself, like feel good and just do it over and over and over again. And that's kind of what I've been looking for. And so, um, being able to be back on the field and do the things that I, I know I'm capable of doing uh, has been really fun. Stephen, what are the Astros telling you? We know that you've played outfield in your career. You're starting to play a little bit of first base now. You're moving around on the infield, uh, which is showing how healthy you are too. And we know the bat's there, but what are the Astros telling you? Yeah, um, you know, they're just honestly telling me to just go out there and be myself. You know, Dusty's right. trying to get me to move around to all these different positions, which, you know, that's the way our game's going. It's like you need to be able to play multiple positions. And they know that the infield is not something that's super foreign because I was drafted as a shortstop. Played in the infield for four years in the minor leagues um, and played first base a full season. So I, I know how to play in the infield in there. I just have played the outfield well enough that I haven't had to move around. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I, I love it. I really do. I love being able to expand my – my repertoire and being able to play first base, play center field, play left field, right field. I mean, you can call me to play short, but I can't promise you I'm going to be Carlos Correa. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's, it's been fun. You know, it's been fun to, to work at a new position and work with these guys around here. So 2017, uh, your best year, you hit 30 home runs, played in 148 games, you know, uh, six, 16 stolen bases as well to go with that, that power. Um, Health always is a, is a big part of it, but what was it about that year for you? Was it, you know, kind of you figuring some stuff out, everything just kind of coming together for you that year? You know, I, I really do think that just it was health. I, I mean, my, my years prior, you know, were good. I just played less games. You know, if you extrapolate the two seasons before, I would have had a three-year stretch of like phenomenal 20 to, 20 to 30 homers mm -hmm. uh, and hitting around 240, you know, 250 um, I just think being healthy for me is critical. And, and that's kind of what's been the, the stamp on my career is like when I'm able to go out there and just play every day um, and be healthy every day, like I, I, I do what I know I'm capable of doing. And so um, definitely having my hitting coach there, uh, Chad Matola, being able to psychologically like put me in a mode of like expecting to play. I think there had been a fear buildup of like, I don't know if I can play every day. Like these random things keep happening to me. And him keeping me concentrated on, like, you have today, you're going to go out there and be great today and only worrying about that was a huge key in 2017. Um, but I also think that having my son that year and the, and the perspective shift of, like, baseball, like, whether or not I go 0 for 4 at the field, my son is still wants to see me at home was right. a huge factor in that year. What's your philosophy of hitting? I know we're always trying to evolve and get better, but right now, are, are you trying to dumb things down and keep things very concise? What, what, what do you think about? Yes. Yeah. So like I am, I've never really had a good spring in my life. I think I've had one or two because I'm always, I want to be prepared 
when that bell rings that I'm ready to go. Right. What like, are you, what are you trying to get prepared? Your so, timing? Yeah. I'm trying to let the number one, I start out by trying to let the fastball get as deep as I can. Like I want it. I don't want to, to build a habit of swinging at the first pitch and going and getting the ball. Cause that is not conducive to success at the big league level. Like you can watch guys in spring training, swing at the first pitch and they're just not ready for this speeds speed. everything up. And I watched uh, Goldie do this in Arizona and really learn from him um, to try and, and see as many pitches as I can to get comfortable with working in the key and being, uh, you know, get to two strikes, feel all the things that you feel during the season so that when you get to the season, it's not just it's like, well, I haven't been in a three, two count or fouled off a pitch or, yeah. you know, work multiple pitches. So that's awesome. is backing the ball up. That's what I'm trying to do. And then number two is trying to, put myself in a position of timing where I am able to be ready for the fastball um, and hit it where I, I want to. That's, that's the main two things I, I want to be able to do is if I can, if I can let the fastball get deep enough and not panic, then the rest of it, like I can catch up with breaking balls. I can hit all those. When you're talking about hitting the fastball where you want to, does it depend on where the fastball is located? It depends on the pitcher. And that's another thing that I'm trying to work on in, okay. uh, in spring, you know, Stinker ballers, I'm, I'm trying to get it up, out, and I want to hit that ball to center, right center, you know. These four-seam guys that throw 95, and they they have what's called hop or life or spin rate, whatever they want to call it. Are you trying to turn on that? I'm trying to hit that ball more on a line to left center, right, okay. because like I don't want to swing under it and foul it off to right. That's how those guys make their living. Yeah. Or, or hit a ground ball up the middle, and it turns into a line drive that carries out of the yard. So those okay. are things I need to work on in spring training and get back into the flow of the game of like, okay, where's the timing on that guy as opposed to this guy? Wow. Um, those are, those are key, key components to like getting to the end of the, the spring. And I don't really care what my numbers look like. I know I need to make this team and I need to, to show successful ABs and stuff like that. That's the tricky part. Right. And so for me, it's like, well, do I just go all out and try and just swing at the first pitch and like jump on these guys? Cause I know they're just throwing heaters, you know, like I know what they're doing. They're not ready, but, is that really going to like, I, maybe I make the team, but I'm not going to be ready to compete, you know? So it's, it's, this, it's this fine balance of like, well, I just trust that hopefully it all comes together by the end of spring a little earlier than normal. Yeah. But at the same time, like I, I, my number one goal is I want to play the full season and be productive this season for the Houston Astros. That's my number one goal. And so hopefully that all this comes together to be able to do that. You, uh, have one of your former teammates that just signed with the Astros, Jay Odorizzi, that got announced uh, yesterday. You guys were together in Tampa, and you've seen Odorizzi at, at his best. What can you tell folks about about him and, and being his teammate and, and what, what, what fans can expect? Man, I could talk about Jake Odorizzi for an hour. He is one, he's one of my favorite favorite players um, that I've played with. His, his family and my family were super close. Um, he is a competitor man, he will compete to the end of the age. Like, doesn't matter if he has his stuff, doesn't have his stuff. Some of it's there. He's not feeling good. He's a competitor. And he's going to go out there and give you uh, five to seven to nine innings, whatever it is, of the best he's got that day. He's a phenomenal teammate. You know, he's a bulldog and works hard. Um, he's constantly working and learning on his craft. And he wants to just be better. You know, and those guys, when you combine all those things, it's like, why wouldn't you not want this guy on your team competing in big games? Um, and it's cool. I'm super happy. I, I saw him in Tampa in the offseason and, and never thought we, we were joked around and said, well, you know, where are you signing? Let's try and figure out if we can sign together. Never did I think that we would line back up. So I am, I, the Astros should be really happy. And I'm really happy to see him in camp. 
you know, moving from uh, a, a team to team, you always, you face the Astros a lot. You always have misconceptions about certain players that, that you end up getting to know a little bit better. Who on the Astros right now is a lot different from what you perceive as, as, a, as an adversary? Oh, that's a great question. I had a lot of guys like that that I thought were probably jerks that I competed against. And when I joined them on another team, they were ended up being some of my best friends. Yes. Um, well, I want to say first, everybody I has been a huge surprise. Like, I, I just didn't know them well enough, you know, and with everything that's kind of happened, I just didn't know what to expect. Um, I've known two Altuve for a while. Like, we played yeah. against each other in – instructs of spring training or instructs back in 2007 so we wow. each other for a long time and competed against each other um coming up and i knew he was a great dude and he still is a, a fun, fantastic dude um i didn't know michael brantley very much and so he's been a really pleasant surprise like he's been fantastic but i think the biggest surprise for me is bregman um I, he's he's been my locker mate and what just what a phenomenal dude he is, and just such a hard worker in, in in the gym all the time, running like preparing for the season. Super smart about the game, about his swing. Um, you can see that why the why he's been so successful at this level, and why his teammates love him is he's just a fantastic teammate. Is really what it comes down to. So he's been my biggest surprise. I've had a lot of fun with him in camp and and jabbing him and joking around. Um, Cool. Yeah, all these guys, uh, it's been really fun getting to know them more on a, on a deeper level. You know, talking about coming over to the Astros, uh, what was that process like for you this offseason? I know there may be some things you don't want to share, but like if you could give us an idea, like how you wound up uh, signing with the Astros. I, I imagine you, you knew James Clicker. He certainly knew you from your time together in Tampa Bay. Yeah, that was a huge factor, being able to talk to Click um, and, you know, him knowing what I'm capable of, obviously, uh, him seeing it first for three years in, in Tampa um, that was a huge thing of, of having somebody that I trust that's going to make a proper decision you know um, mm -hmm. and give me a legitimate opportunity to showcase what I'm capable of doing still um, because without that a little bit of that relationship of knowing you know there's really you know I, th I think the best part about it was being able to come in and have a spring training where it's like okay well maybe I don't need to light up the board but show that look it's still there right like there's things that I can still do that click knows and, and everybody knows that when I turn it on, it's going to be there um, type of thing. Having that being said, I think the biggest factor was number one, winning the championship with the team. Um, this being one of the teams that's been so successful over the last several years in the postseason, um, being able to get back to the playoffs. And then I had a really long conversation with Dusty Baker about what he expects out of players um, and what he finds successful in teams like the players that he looks for to be on successful teams and the opportunity that he uh, said was going to present itself. I think those factors were huge in being able to come over here um, and sign. Last thing for me, Stephen, um, if you make this team and things change a lot, I mean, they can change a drop of a dime, but if you're a part-time player at the beginning, what's the biggest hurdle for you? Have you done that before? Uh, where you're coming off the bench or, or playing three or four times a week rather than six, uh, what's the biggest challenge for you? Yeah, dropping your ego is huge, yeah. right? Like, I, I look at those outfielders, and they're, they're, they're really good. Like, this team is really, really good. And I know I'm really, really good, but it's about everybody on this team dropping their ego 
and not worrying about what your plate appearance numbers look like at the end of the year and just vying for a championship. Like try to win. The best teams that I've been on have done that. They drop their ego and they just go for the championship, right? And and no matter what it looks like, getting the job done. And so for me, there's going to be a temptation of questions from the media or, you know, even family or people around you like, you know, why aren't you playing more or whatever? And the reality is, is I've got to do my job and, and whatever job and role that's handed to me, I have to be yeah. the best at that. And it's not my job to dictate what I should do, whether I should be playing every day in the outfield or I shouldn't. It's that's Dusty and Click's job. And if they find uh, the best role for this team is for me to play three or four times a week or whatever it may be, then I have to be a man and come to the ballpark and do that to the best of my ability until somebody else changes what they think is different. Wow, that's great. Yeah, fantastic. Hey, Steven Souza Jr., thank you so much for joining us. It continues success this spring, and uh, enjoyed watching you play for other teams, and uh, looking forward to seeing you in Astros uniform. Yeah, guys, it was a pleasure. Uh, hopefully we can do this again soon, and looking forward to meeting you guys in person. That was Astros uh, non-roster invitee outfielder Steven Souza Jr., pretty well-traveled and trying to win a spot uh, with the Houston Astros in 2021. We'll be back one final time on Astroline, presented by Carbock Brewing Company and on the Houston Astros radio network right after this. Don't forget to check out the Astros team store that's in Union Station at Minute Maid Park for the largest selection of Astros merchandise. Stop by Minute Maid Park from Monday through Saturday for the latest latest Astros product and memorabilia or call in an order for stadium side pickup. That's what Robert does. Visit astros.com slash team store or call 1-800-ASTROS-4 for more information. Why leave your car if you don't have to? Especially when you're pulling up in a Bentley. Not quite. Visit astros.com slash team store or call 1-800-ASTROS-4 for more information. Welcome back to Astro Line presented by Carbock Brewing Company. Come see Minute Maid Park and get a behind the scenes look at the ins and outs of the stadium with a ballpark tour from the Doug out in press box to the warning track and manual scoreboard. We guarantee you've never seen Minute Maid Park like this. Book your tour today at astros.com slash tours. Well, Steve, uh, one more Astro line, and it's coming up on the 18th. That's going to be 6 o'clock Central Time, and we're going to be joined by Astros General Manager James Click. Looking forward to talking with him. Yeah, usually our, our last show of the year is, is always going to be with the general manager. That way we get a chance to see what they're thinking about as far as roster construction, who they've been impressed with, who they maybe haven't been impressed with. We talk about those things uh, off air. But uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know what? It's interesting. And I like it. the more and more we get a chance to talk to James Click, we, we get to learn about how he thinks and looks at things. And I think one thing for James Click, uh, I think he's very excited that Sugarland, Texas, is very close to Minute Maid Park. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's going to be the Astros' alternate site for the first month of the season before the AAA starts. And then obviously that will be uh, where the Astros' AAA affiliation will be from here on out. So you don't want to miss that. Our final Astro line of this offseason, uh, James Click, Astros general manager, will join us. That'll be on March 18th, 6 o'clock Central Time for that Astro line. I'd like to thank all who made the broadcast possible. Our studio producer is Josh C. Our producer engineer is Matt Boltz. For Steve Sparks and Robert Ford saying so long. You've been listening to Astroline presented by Carbock Brewing Company and on the Houston Astros radio network. Looking for a great place to bring your friends and family? Head on over to Carbock Brewing for some fresh craft beer and damn good eats. With our on-site restaurant and sprawling beer garden, there's always something for everyone to enjoy. So grab a Love Street Blonde or a Hopadillo IPA and kick back and relax. And keep up with all of our events by following us on social media at Carbach Brewing. 
Follow all of the off-season action on Asherline and come see us at the brewery for a cold beer seven days a week.